The High Red Marketer podcast is sponsored by the Zemi app, enabling colleges and universities to engage interested students before they even apply. You're listening to The Higher Ed Marketer, a podcast geared towards marketing professionals in higher education. This show will tackle all sorts of questions related to student recruitment, donor relations, marketing trends, new technologies, and so much more. If you're looking for conversations centered around where the industry is going, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer Podcast. This week, we are so excited to talk to Dr. Terry Flannery. As most of you know, she is the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at CASE. And she is also the author of a book that both Bart and I are fanboys of. It's called How to Market a University. And as she does with everything she touches, she really brings authentic information through our podcast episode today. Yeah, Troy, I really am so grateful that uh, Dr. Flannery could join us today. Terry brings, like you said, authentic uh, communication, uh, warmth, the way that she's just passionate about what she's doing. It's so clear, and it's so clear that she's been successful. Um, the book is great. Uh, you know, much like our podcast, it's it's simple and to the point. You know, the higher ed marketer is simple and to the point. How to market a university is simple and to the point. And I think that's one of the things that really draws Troy and I to to the book. And one thing that's really exciting, and we'll talk about a little bit more and unpack it on the on the conversation, is that there's also a master course. Uh, around the content of the book um, that that you and your institution can take at a very affordable price just to kind of hear a lot of expertise from uh, Dr. Flannery as well as 15 of the leading thinkers in higher ed marketing. And so I would encourage you to kind of listen to that part and maybe take advantage of that in the show notes as well. Here's our conversation with Dr. Terry Flannery. There is a wealth of knowledge that we are looking forward to getting from you during our podcast. But I'm going to ask you this initial question of, is there anything that you've learned recently that's interesting or something that you think would be worth sharing? Yeah, I think um, something that's really struck me in the last week is how hungry people are for meaningful in-person connection. Mm two different contexts for that. So I'm seeing in my office how important it is if we're bringing people back into the office to work on certain days, that it shouldn't be just to do what they could do at home, looking at their screen and having uh, interactions that they could do anytime. It's gotta really be reasons to be there together. And then uh, sort of a different context. First, in-person global leadership summit for CASE in three years and people were so happy to be together so grateful the connections were almost more effusive than they um, have ever been and you can just see that it's meeting a need that can't easily be met in any other way that's great yes i recently just attended a higher ed conference for the first time in person in a while and I concur. I felt that energy too, and people were talking about it and excited to be together. So thank you. Uh, we've seen you in social media and LinkedIn a lot lately, but for some of our listeners who may not know who you are, please let us know, and then a little bit about your new role that you've taken. Sure. 
So I'm someone who's worked in higher education my entire uh, adult life. Um, I've only ever worked in higher education. My experience is broadly speaking in the areas of uh, student affairs where I started out, enrollment and admissions where I was for 11 years, and then um, the remainder of my career, the bulk of it, uh, working as a marketing and communications professional, leading that work at three institutions as a member of the executive team. And I've just transitioned to a new role as the Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at CASE, which is the Council for Advancement and Support of Education. And it's a professional association that represents and serves the professional development needs of uh, folks who work in integrated advancement in the education sector. So that would represent, broadly speaking, people that do marketing and communications work, people that do uh, alumni relations work, and people that do fundraising and development in higher education and in independent secondary schools. So it's a chance to broaden um, my leadership impact for a global association that represents almost 3,200 member institutions and schools and uh, about 97,000 uh, advancement professionals across the world. We appreciate the work that CASE does, and I'm so glad that you are part of that leadership team. The reason why we invited you on, because you have a book that has been getting a lot of attention, and as a result, I think a certain curriculum has been created. So for those of right. you who don't know, her book is How to Market a University, and that's right to the point, and I think gets the attention of a lot of higher ed marketers. Could you tell us a little bit about the backstory of the book, why you wrote it, and then maybe a couple of highlights to get us started? Sure. I don't think I would have ever had the nerve um, or the courage to think about writing this book on my own, but I was approached by the editor of the Johns Hopkins University Press, the editorial director. Um, and he came to me and said that they had this series for higher education leaders, um, practical little books um, that helped presidents, provosts, trustees think about how to work successfully in higher education. So there are books on how to run a college, how to work with a university board. And he really felt like they needed a book on how to market universities. And he noticed that um, higher education leaders, presidents especially, are just hungry to know how to do this work well. They want to know how to organize it, how to resource it, and how to measure success in that area. And he, so he says uh, that he asked 10 people who should write the book, and they all gave him my name, which I think was strictly flattery, <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> and I was thrilled, of course. And then once I had agreed to do it, then I was terrified. Um, but it's been quite a privilege um, to write this book, and it really is uh, important to note that it, the target audience, the primary audience, is really those higher ed leaders. Um, so I was speaking to them, trying to help them understand our work and its strategic nature and purpose. But I had a secondary audience that we've included in how, how I wrote the book, which is chief marketing officers and their teams. So every chapter in the book has a set of discussion questions that are designed to engage leaders and CMOs in discussion about where they are on that part of the work. That's great. And I, I really appreciate it because I, I'm, I'm reading it and it's, it's just fascinating and, and really practical information. And I love the fact that you've created those, um, those listening sessions and those talking points that uh, the teams can work through. 
Um, I also recognize that, um, you know, some of some of what's happened is you've taken content of that um, of that book and, and uh, partnered with our, our good friends over at Enrollify. Uh, we've had Zach on the on the on the conversation on the podcast a, a time or two and several yeah. of the other folks that are on the online master course on how to market a university. Um, uh, Ethan Braden from Purdue and, uh, and Jamie Hunt. Yep. A lot of really uh, good friends of the podcast have been on that as well. So tell us a little bit about kind of the evolution of that, you know, taking the book and then getting it into a, a master course. Yeah. So Zach approached me uh, about doing a podcast related to the book. And once he started reading it, he said, I'm not sure we can do this justice in one <laughs> session. Um, would you be willing to think about doing a series? And I said, well, sure. Yeah. Well, I'll take a little more time in preparation. And then he came back to me again and he said, I got a really crazy idea. Um, you know, we have an idea. We have some thinking about maybe developing a series of master courses. Would you be willing to use your book as the subject and be the expert and help us develop a prototype for this course? And they've got a really, uh, with Enroll uh, Enrollify, they've got a really wild premise that they imagine developing the first fully digital professional development experience for enrollment marketers, which is in keeping with the podcast that you guys do and a lot of the other content that's out there. Um, that aligned beautifully with my interest, um, my new role obviously at Case, and um, in um, thinking about how we continue to mature this profession and develop a group of professionals who've been raised in higher education to do this work well, thinking about what's the right channel or format to develop um, the material in a way that it can really have the most impact. And so the course, it, it takes a master course approach. So I'm sort of the sage on the stage a little mm -hmm. bit, but I didn't want it. I, I knew you don't do asynchronous courses in that way. That doesn't work, right? So the first thing I did was call 50, I phoned 15 friends, <laughs> some of whom you've mentioned, yep. <laughs> um, and said, would you come play with us so that um, your expertise rounds out my voice and we're not just learning from one person. They all said yes, I'm grateful for that. They shared incredible expertise. So Zach traveled all around the country to interview them all and have them contribute content on different aspects of the uh, books uh, chapters as we went along. Um, and then we developed a series of both sprint exercises. Every session has a sprint exercise that's designed to make you stop for two minutes and just think kind of in a brainstorming mode really quickly, um, which helps kind of get the juices flowing, even if you're in an asynchronous format. Um, and then there are some exercises that are developed to apply the material in the book in a much more specific way at your institution when you leave it. So it's been um, very successful in helping people to engage in the content in a different way. That's great. And I, and just for everyone's reference, we'll have in the show notes links to both the book and the master course. Um, and, uh, and, and that would be a great opportunity and, and it's very affordable. I mean, obviously the book's affordable, but also the master courses as well. And so you'll find details in that, but I am, uh, I'm fascinated with that in the sense that, um, you know, what's the, what's the feedback been so far? I mean, there, obviously there's a lot of opportunity here and, um, you know, we know that there's, you know, 5,000 institutions, uh, that, that are recognized in the United States and, a lot of different sizes. I mean, we've got tiny, tiny schools all the way up to, to large, um, yeah. you know, D1 schools. How, what's the feedback been and, and how, how has that kind of impacted what you're doing? It's been very rewarding. So 
if there are 5,000 recognized institutions, then we've got 10% of them already registered for this course. That's great. <laughs> Which I think That's is impressive, very impressive. right? Um, it, we have more than 500 uh, entities that have registered, and a bunch of them are not just individuals, but um, institutions that have purchased the institutional access. Mm -hmm. And they're using the content for um, either lunch and learn trainings with either the immediate marketing team or the enrollment team or maybe a broader campus communicator group but they're coming together for each of the sessions watching them and then talking together about the content and then others are using it as a different means of conversation with the leadership so there are some that the president the um, chief development officer the chief marketing officer chief enrollment officer are watching it together and then having conversations that's so exciting so i would say you know, in just a couple of months, we launched the content in, um, well, let's see, end of April, and we're at the recording of this session late July. So that I think that's pretty good pickup for a few months, and it's it's doing good things for the book sales as that's well. That's great. That's good. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> the feedback's been great quantitatively too. I mean, qualitatively as well. We talk a lot about it on the show. Schools are really struggling today to make the same ad spend work. CPMs are up 89% year-over-year on Facebook and Instagram. Our college clients are no longer looking for rented audiences. They are looking for an own community where they can engage students even before they apply. This is why Zemi has become so crucial for our clients. With over 1 million students, close to 10,000 five-star ratings, consistently ranked as one of the top social apps, and recently one of Apple's hot apps of the week, there simply isn't anything out there like it, and we have seen it all. Zemi not only provides the best space for student engagement, but the most unique and actionable data for their 160 college and university partners. We know firsthand from our clients that Zemi is a must-have strategy for Gen Z. Check them out now at colleges.zemi.com. That's colleges.zeemee.com. And yes, tell them Bart and Troy sent you. Bart and I both think that any listener, if you haven't had a chance to go out and get the book or purchase the course, to please do so. Uh, Terry, in a recent conversation we had with you, you expressed your optimism and the opinion that the current state of higher ed organizations is very strong. And we'd love to know if you can expand upon that opinion for our listeners. Yeah, I would say the opportunity is better than it's ever, ever been in higher education. We've been able to demonstrate, particularly during the pandemic, maybe more on the comms side than the marketing side at first, um, but eventually in both areas, how integral our role is to meeting institutional priorities and strategic goals. Um, and institutions are getting it. And leaders, if they don't have the structure or the leadership or the organization to do this well, are really kind of recognizing they, they got to get game in this regard. And so people who've developed this area of expertise and have a track record of demonstrated experience are going to be really in the driver's seat in terms of um, opportunities they've had um, to lead the work and be a critical part of the um, team at their institutions. I think that's tempered, though, with something that's really challenging, which we're seeing, and that's true of the entire sector, including marketing and communications and in the area of enrollment, which is that the great resignation is really affecting us. 
you know, the latest survey data that's coming in from a couple of different sources is saying that half of our professionals in higher ed are thinking about leaving higher education sector entirely. They're not leaving work. They're going to work somewhere else. And so you've got this great opportunity at the same time that you have real uh, potential loss because the challenges and the rewards are not in a balance that people find um, attractive. So it's strong in some ways. The opportunity is great in some ways. And in some other ways, I think we've got real work to do. I find that interesting, Terry, because I agree with you. I, I think that there's a there's a there is that great resignation that's happening. I'm also fascinated with how many people I see that are coming outside of higher education into the chief marketing officer roles. Um, you know, coming from mm-hmm. healthcare, coming from other you know non-related education um, you know f- verticals. I'm fascinated with that too, and um, I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, as you. I guess my question is more along the lines is, as, as you are a, a lifelong career in higher education, um, and we see people that have been in higher education, honestly, getting burned out and moving outside, and then we're seeing other people mm-hmm. outside of higher education coming in and really you know, making a huge difference um, in, in what they're doing, bringing, bringing what I would consider more of... Uh, you know what is going on in the in the you know commerce world into the higher ed marketing type of roles. Where do you think that's going, and 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 how does that affect things? And 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 I guess as a follow up question is, and and we'll get into a little bit more detail about this. It's the difference between a chief marketing officer and a vice president of enrollment slash marketing or vice president of advancement slash marketing. Mm-hmm. So. I know I just confused everybody with like three or four questions at once, so I apologize. <laughs> but let's first start with kind of Thanks, yeah. Bart. So let's first start with that thought about you know people coming and going from the from the careers from different paths. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think people are just burnt out in higher education. I think it's safe to say that that's not the only sector where this is happening. Right. I think people are looking to make change, right? And I think people are looking for environments where um, they can have meaningful impact and meaningful work. And a lot of times if you're not in higher education, you're coming from another environment, you're looking for a more um, mission-driven, compelling errand that gets you up every day that's related to transforming lives and society, which is what higher education does, right? So I think that's the attraction coming outside. Um, I I would say... um, Sometimes the movement within the sector can be just as refreshing. I've seen a couple of CMOs who were doing great work at the institutions that they were at just move somewhere else. The opportunities are ripe to make a move and put yourself in the driver's seat in terms of what's what you require in order to have a satisfying role and have it set up in the right way in the first place. So that's always good. But if people are coming from outside and they're bringing practices and tools they can help us develop in higher education, great. I would say with a caution though, that I have seen people come from the corporate environment, um, from sectors like healthcare, insurance, finance, some who do really well and others who crash and burn. And when they crash and burn, there's usually a couple of patterns behind it. One, they thought we worked nine months a year and they thought they'd be able to put up their feet (laughs) and eat bonbons and that it'd be an easier job. Ha, we all know that's not true. I'm exaggerating, but still, they, they think it's going to be a slower pace and nothing could be further from the right. truth. Um, the second thing is that um, they underestimate the strength of the culture of the academy. 
and they don't take the time to learn and understand and appreciate it so that when they are trying to make decisions or they're trying to create the expectations for the pace that something will take, they do that in a way that um, they can move successfully as a leader in that environment. And sometimes they make real mistakes because they've underestimated that important piece. Yeah, I think that's a really fair way to say it. I think that there's a lot often, many times, that that, uh, that friction happens, uh, even even in, in different ways and, and not just in the marketing realm as well. Um, so, so then let's talk a little bit about the... Uh, the CMO versus the, you know, vice president of blank plus marketing. Um, I know right now, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the, uh, some of the reports show that, you know, 70% of CMOs report to the president, you know, 60% of them have a seat at the cabinet. Um, Sometimes that, you know, that from a CMO standpoint, that's one thing for also most of the time from some of the smaller schools that, that I've worked with, with the, with the VP of advancement or enrollment slash marketing, mm-hmm. most of the time they're at the cabinet as well, but they're sometimes their, uh, their marketing acumen is not as strong as what a CMO might be. So let's just kind of yeah. unpack that a little bit and tell me what your experience has been and how you see that shifting. Yeah. There's still a lot of variability in the structures that we use to organize the work in higher education, and we haven't settled on a model, but it's definitely in transition. And the data you mentioned about 70% reporting to the president or chancellor and 60% having a seat at the table comes from the latest CMO study that Simpson Scarborough developed um, that they released uh, late last year, beginning of this year. Um, And that's a trend that continues to increase, so that's risen every year. so it's great to see marketing and communications have a seat at the table where strategy and institutional decision-making about priority and resources are being made. That's an advantage, right? Um, but sometimes that results in um, uh, fracturing or disintegration of all the things that marketing and communications should be influencing. And really that's true of any structure. So I have real trouble where enrollment is in one place and uh, advancement is in another place and there isn't a leadership influence for marketing that's equal Mm. um, because I think it really gets driven down to a functional level where it's more marketing in service of these other goals and it becomes a primarily promotional activity and it diminishes the importance of all the other aspects of marketing in terms of strategy, price, product, and place in the classic four Ps of marketing that don't ever get considered when it's operating as a tactical instead of a strategic function. If you have people who are leading those areas that have marketing reporting to them, they may not have expertise to really know how to organize it, how to resource it, how to measure it. And so that's what you're losing when the function is driven further down into the organization. And so depending on where you are because of resources or history and there's really as i said different models the most important thing is to find leaders who are willing to collaborate with each other and think about the integration across the functions regardless of where marketing sits in that um, environment if they can recognize the value of the work and be willing to work together then the structure doesn't matter quite as much. I know that sounds idealistic, but that's what's required to surmount the hurdles um, of that kind of structure. And then there's all kinds of tools, and we talk about them in the book and in the course too, to help you with that integration and collaboration. There are ways you can 
account for that or game that out a little bit, but it takes real intention and work. Yeah, I, I like that right there with the intention. Um, you know, when we had, uh, I mentioned Ethan Braden from Purdue University uh, earlier, and he was on the podcast, and something that has stuck with me that I've, that I've uh, you know, borrowed with a lot of clients giving him the credit, but it's one of the things that he talks about is that as, as marketers, we have to stop being the short order cooks and we have to be the chefs. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't continue to yep. just deliver this by Monday and make it look prettier and, uh, and, and palatable. We have to kind of ask the hard questions. Is this, is this moving us toward our overall goal as an institution, either for, yes. for you know, advancement or for enrollment? And um, I think that, that you're exactly right. That collaboration has to happen. Those conversations have to happen. Um, it, it, sometimes it's easier when we're all tired to just say, you know what, I'll just take the orders and just get them done. Um, but that is a downward spiral that it can really destroy an institution pretty quickly if, if no one's at the helm for the marketing or the communications. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's incumbent on the marketing professional to act like the strategic thinker that they should be. Uh, others will not know. They often don't understand the purpose of this work or how to organize it. So it's not going to be up to them to decide this is what you should be doing. You have to lead. Right. You have to really lead. I think I think that's really not be the order. Keep. I think that's really important. A really good way to say that. Terry, as we close our episode, would like to know if there is something that we didn't cover or a piece of advice that you could offer that could be implemented immediately, either by a marketing individual or a small marketing team. I'd like to encourage everyone to be empowered to act like the strategic marketing function that they hope to lead and represent. If you um, feel like you're uh, being reduced to an order taker or that you are uh, only valued for the work you do for promotional activity, then I'd encourage you to first find your institution's strategic plan. Go look, go find it and see what it identifies as the key strategic priorities of your institution. And then think about in your role, in your specific role in your office, what could you do to connect your work to the meeting of one of those goals? And if you start to talk about and ask questions and act like that is your role, people will start to understand. You gotta walk the walk in order for them to understand really the purpose of marketing. So find that strategy somewhere at your institution and start connecting your work to it today. Thank you for that powerful response and the rest of the conversation we've had with you. And uh, we're fans of you. I hope that comes across. And we're so happy that you're a guest and to also further your mission and your influence and anything that we can do for you, we are willing to do so, Terry. And speaking of which, uh, if someone wanted to contact you and follow up, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Sure, Troy and Bart, thank you for this opportunity. I've loved it. I'm fans of you guys too. Um, We're all part of this community where this connection helps us all, right? And if people want to connect with me, the easiest ways are through Twitter. I'm at HigherEdWonk or on LinkedIn, Teresa Flannery. Yes, it uses my formal first name. It's a little scary. Sometimes I think someone calls me Teresa that is my mother calling. Or at Case, uh, you can reach me at tflannery at case.org. And thank you again for the opportunity. You're welcome, but we consider it our pleasure and honor. Bart, did you have final thoughts that you would like to share before we 
take our episode to the end. Yeah, Troy, thank you. And, and, and Terry, thank you so again for being on the show. It's been great. Um, and if you've gotten anything out of this episode, I would just really encourage you to read the book, to you know, download the master course and take that. There's just so much wealth of information in what Terry shared with us today, what she's shared in the book, what she's shared in the master course, as well as her 15 friends and what they bring to that. Um, just so many, so many really, I mean, industry leaders, Bob Johnson, um, the folks at Ology, um, you know, just a really, a lot of really good uh, thinkers, uh, people who've been in the seat that you're sitting in, people that have been doing the work that you've been doing. Um, they bring a wealth of knowledge. And so I really encourage you to look at those two things. And I really love that final thing that Terry talked about with just really trying to have some empathy and compassion and understand where you are. And if you want to be at a certain place and you're the one that can start that. Um, I've seen that happen many, many times where, you know, I might be working with someone who's an art director or somebody who's, who feels like they just don't have the authority to make change, but just by your attitude and the way that you approach things, you can make change. And so I would encourage you to do that as well. So thank you so much. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to have you. The Higher Ed Marketer Podcast is sponsored by Kaler Solutions an education marketing and branding agency, and by Think Patented, a marketing execution company combining direct mail and unique digital stacks for higher ed outreach success. On behalf of Bart Kaler, I'm Troy Singer. Thank you for joining us. You've been listening to The Higher Ed Marketer. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening with Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to leave a quick rating of the show. Simply tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.